it is so difficult to get inventory right now. I mean, those of you that have been in the real estate business since the great recession of 08 realize the, the, the tsunami of foreclosure inventory in many markets that came and the market feasted on that inventory for a good five years, in my opinion, right? Those foreclosures made their way through the system. You could get at first heavily discounted properties and eventually it just kind of dissipated. Well, now what's the solution? get past that barrier to entry. And I think that's why people are raving about build to rent is because, well, I, if I go out on the MLS or if I go co-star, I can't find anything, figure out how to build to rent a property because that barrier to entry is something that most people won't put up with. If you're a syndicator and you can develop a fund with build for rent properties, you can get a lot of those small retail investors that couldn't participate otherwise. Or if you're a builder, you really ought to, ought to consider it because your exit can be a lot more smooth than dealing with 50 different homeowners. Welcome to the Build to Rent podcast, the first ever real estate show dedicated exclusively to helping investors go from raw dirt to a cash flowing rental property. Whether you're looking to do a massive syndication or a one-off rental property, the Build to Rent podcast will help you get there. Our hosts, Steve Olson, Chase Levitt, and Sherida Zanger, bring together more than 4,000 properties of experience as they break down how to find and finance projects, make the most of market and tax strategies, and maximize the returns of a build-to-rent portfolio. This is the Build-to-Rent Podcast. And now, today's episode. Welcome to the Build-to-Rent Show. Steve Olson here with Chase Levitt and Sherida Zanger. We want to get into the build for rent world. Now I just said build for rent and build to rent, like in the space of 10 seconds of one another, we were having a lively debate about which one it should be. Sherida, you said it's synonymous. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's what the internet says. That's what the, well, if the internet says it, it's, it's gospel. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors in life is a gentleman named Michael Scott. He is the regional manager of the Scranton branch of a company called Dunder Mifflin. You either get that or you don't. But there was a funny episode where he was talking about negotiation and he goes to Wikipedia for all of his negotiation tips. (laughs) And he said that on Wikipedia, anyone can put information on there. So you know, you're getting the best information. Totally accurate. So the internet is right. Yep. Um, Preston tells me that I need to define um, what build to rent means. When we talk about build to rent, right, this is actually, it's just a concept that has come to light over the last five to 10 years. It's been done forever. I mean, if you build an office building, you built it to rent it. And that's been going on industrial and storage. I mean, what, what else is storage other than build to rent, right? But it, it has really arrived in force in the residential world in the last five to 10 years, especially when it comes to homes, right? An apartment building has always been build to rent. But when we talk about, would somebody actually build a community of 50 homes and rent the entire thing out? I think most notably, it's a little different in the fact that before you would build homes, the city would allow you to get, you know, 40 different parcels and DR Horton's going to come in there and build homes and sell them to, to Sally homeowner, right? In this case, the city's not allowing you to get 40 different tax IDs but you're still going to build 40 homes in there. And, and in fact, many of the cities, I know we've been recently talking to uh, the city of Tomball, Texas. They really liked the idea of detached homes because cities 
resist this multifamily component a lot, don't they? I think the residents resist it. So it's more, you know, the yeah. city's resisting it and it's pressure from people that live around there. They always say, we want that in the city next to us, not in our city. We need it, but go next door. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's not the not in my backyard uh, mentality, right? So the, the whole idea is, well, could we actually give rentals to the market which they need, but not make the cities and the residents mad because they don't really know the difference. In fact, the argument for build to rent, especially on these nicer detached communities, is that it's a better experience for the renter. It takes the stigma out of renting, right? In fact, you live in a nice place. You've got it. I mean, you've got a really nice pool. You've got great common areas. You've got a lot of amenities that a homeowner would sure love to have. And it makes renting more desirable. So there's an article on Forbes that was uh, posted recently, Matthew Avital at Forbes. And he point, he wrote out this article. This was towards the beginning of this year, kind of defining what build um, to rent is. He said that investors who want to take advantage of these trends driving rapid growth in the BTR, build to rent asset class, should make sure to do their due diligence before entering into an investment. Yeah, duh. Investors should seek properties in low-density suburban markets with high multifamily occupancy rates. I want to talk about that in a second. Site location is important. Proximity to major retail, parks, and high-quality schools, and the visibility of the property from highly trafficked roads will also promote location desirability. Amenity quality should also be considered because B2R communities with high-quality amenities will perform well, often topping the market in terms of actual rents achieved. Although the relatively high cost of land and building a ground-up BDR project may act as a barrier to entry for some retail investors, smaller investors can gain exposure through crowdfunding, private syndication, and publicly traded REITs. Shameless plug, you could call us at FIG, too. That's <laughs> literally what we do. But that, that's not what this show is about. But, I mean, it is another option, by the way. So um, there's a couple of interesting things in that paragraph that uh, make me think about this differently that I think are conflicting. And I don't think he means to, to make it conflicting in that. But one that I saw was investors should seek properties in low density suburban markets with high multifamily occupancy rates. What do you, what do you think about that? If it's low density, but we have a high occupancy of multifamily. That's kind of a niche, niche neighborhood. Yeah. Like, do you want to be in there with where all your competition is sitting on top of each other? I don't know. I mean, there's only a few apartment buildings in there, I guess, and they're all running running hot at 98% occupied. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, you want to be in that neighborhood. But Yeah, if you can find that neighborhood where it's approved and, and ready to go, I think that's probably a home run, isn't it? If there's still a need for it, right? Well, like that's probably what he's getting into. And, and we're, we're spitballing this, by the way, listeners, right now. We haven't talked about this before. Um yeah, if there's a if there's a ninety eight percent occupancy rate in what little multifamily is already there, seems like you know a green light. But maybe you should go somewhere else. Uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I told you it was a bit of an, an anomaly that sentence mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Yeah. Double edged sword. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's right? What's wrong? Well, he's probably getting after the angle of when we talk about it in the context of a bunch of detached homes you want to build that community in, in another community. That's what it is. So uh, DR Horton's next door to you and they built and they sold to Sally homeowner. 
um, to the casual observer, those are two very similar neighborhoods. They would never know. And I think that's maybe what the tenants after nobody knows I'm in a build for rent community. I mean, think of our projects, right? I don't think the majority of people realize that those are investor owned properties, right? There's just tenants. They're just leasing them. I mean, they, they don't know if they own or if they are leased. So I think going through a lot of our projects, you would just say, oh, this is just a townhome community. Like some of our other builders yeah. build, you wouldn't necessarily know, oh, this is a full rental community. And I wouldn't say we're low density. Well, we're, we're probably mid density, right? Anywhere between yeah. what eight to 16 units to the acre. But I see that we're, we're pretty close to a lot of communities that are low density, which is what's considered low density. The eighth of an acre, quarter acre, yeah, half acre mm-hmm. starts to be real low, right? Real low, yeah. So probably the quarter acre home, single family home. I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying to think of different projects we've done, like maybe Eagle Mountain. Or Vineyard. Porch Crossing, Vineyard. A lot of single I, family I would homes. argue that what he says here fits those places exactly. Though. 100%. I mean, we're here in in not sparsely populated Utah, but the Western U.S. population-wise, it's just so much less dense than take New England. Yeah. And you got these giant sections of city that are massive apartment complexes, one after the other. He's saying this is this is the suburban feel. You want to create a rental experience with multifamily convenience that makes you feel like you're living in the burbs. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about Meridian, Idaho, Nampa, Idaho, check, check. Um, we've got one coming up in Ogden, Utah, check. All the stuff we've done in Salt Lake County has been west and south. That's away from the dense, the big apartment complexes. A couple have dropped in, thinking about what we got going in Phoenix. Same thing. Yeah. Um, Texas, definitely the same thing. A couple Class A apartments have dropped in next to us, but we're not in a what you would define as an urbanized area. These are all suburban areas. Oh, okay. Once you start getting into high density, and especially if it's, we're talking about build to rent, that's just a, I, that's a different ballgame because it's the pieces of dirt, whether it's one to five acres, whatever that is, you're going to have to go, I'm assuming, more vertical with it. So your construction is going to look a lot different. You're not going to find the, the medium density where we're at, where there's townhomes. You're going to find it more the apartment condos. Not just the three to four levels that we're used to. You're probably going, what, five to five, five levels, maybe more? Maybe, yeah. So that's why with what he said there, it's, it's interesting. That's pretty much who we are in a way. Well, and he said, I mean, the, the renter paradigm is changing. You know, living in the massive apartment complex, the high rise, you know, of course, you live in San Francisco, New York, Chicago. Yeah. But, you know, in the burbs, people don't want that. In fact, we had a project in spring texas where we did three-story townhomes and it struggled for quite a while because it was it was too kind of city oriented i remember the feedback from the property manager was people would look at the units tenants and they'd say yeah i get it but why is this here right why isn't this down in 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 houston there's a neighborhood called the heights right it's the gentrifying place people are putting up a lot of really hip townhouses and high rises and medium-sized projects like that It, it felt like something that should have been there is what they were saying Oh, well, I think we talked that through. I think we, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. So he's talking about the, the proximity to major retail parks and high quality schools and visibility from highly trafficked roads will also promote the location. Heck yeah. Desirability. That's what we're yeah. all about. Yeah. Again, that goes back to our Chick-fil-A and Costco thing, right? Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A and Costco. Costco. Yeah. 
yeah. where we want to be. Can I beat a Chick-fil-A within five to 10 minutes? That deal works. <laughs> and we're usually pretty close to, you know, a, a major freeway of some sort. Not that it's in your backyard, so you're not hearing that traffic, but yeah. you know, 10 minute drive yeah. max to get you to your next location. So we haven't had lunch in that Chick-fil-A thing. That's sounding pretty good. Really good. I will probably yeah. be at Chick-fil-A within the hour. Chick-fil-A's <laughs> breakfast is the bomb. It really is. Oh, their breakfast burrito and those chicken minis. Once hook. or twice a week, my wife takes the kids to school or maybe I'll help her. I'll be like, Hey, you want to do this Chick-fil-A thing? You know? And it's kind of like our, our rebellious thing. You know, we live in the burbs. That's as rebellious as it gets, but we're going to have Chick-fil-A on a Tuesday. Whoa. Oh, crazy. Buckle up. <laughs> okay. So, um, <clears throat> amenity quality should also be considered because BTR communities with high quality amenities will perform well often topping the market in terms of actual rents achieved. What do you think about that? High quality amenities. I Honestly, I don't think we have super, super high quality amenities. I think we have good amenities with FIG, right? We have the pool, the clubhouse. Maybe to some tenants, they think that's high quality. Dog park. Um, but as those far as pickleball courts in American Fork, Utah, yeah, are those are nice. 24 yeah. seven. And yeah, that's so, a cheap amenity, but people love it. Yeah. So we have good quality amenities i don't know high quality like the big fancy movie theater in the clubhouse i don't think we've ever done that right no no where you got these media rooms and a dog groomer i mean you can do all that that's all great i just wonder how often tenants i, I don't think anybody is serving the the moderate amenity demographic because when you put those amenities in you want 2500 bucks a month in rent i mean do you that's what it takes in order to be able to do a project mm-hmm that kind of size. Yeah. And I just wonder how many people can afford that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I, I don't know if it's the high quality. I think it's good amenities that really meet that area. The, the tenant, yeah. what they're looking for. What, some amenities, right? Yeah. Just, some amenities, the, the pool, especially down in Arizona, Texas, where it's hotter up here is nice as well. The clubhouse, not a huge clubhouse, but maybe where people can meet and gather have a birthday party, which is really nice or a family event, yeah. whatever the case is. I don't know if you're going to see the value for that, the big fancy movie theater, or we have a smaller gym sometimes in clubhouses, but not, I've seen some clubhouses or, or built to rent a class. Their gym is awesome. Better than like a Gold's or Vasa, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's. And maybe they have a higher needed. HOA. Right. That helps yeah. offset some of that too. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, you, you know, it's, you, you charge for these, they become income streams, right. For, for many of these property managers and property owners, you know, this, uh, we've got this one under contract in Texas right now. Um, and, and John, our, our lead, our team lead down there and I have talked about, so a couple of projects in, in Texas, one thing's clear. We hate these pools. I mean, I know they look good. People say they want them. The debate is open. How often are they actually using this pool? Because the maintenance is out there constantly. It's a pain in the butt. And we've read some reviews of other complexes that don't have them. Uh, people seem to be minorly irritated, but mostly they're placing the value on how responsive is the property manager. Where can I put my trash? Is there a place? Where can I park? And a few other other things. And so we're toying with not doing a pool. A splash pad may be a good option. Maybe, yeah. Right? Because it's not, you're still giving people cool something off. for, yep, for yeah. their kids to go cool off. 
but that, yeah, that the chlorine and all the crap and everything. And, you know, it's like, are you staffing the project constantly? Cause you know what happens in pools a lot of times and mm-hmm. you got to deal with that right then and there. But if you don't have somebody on staff, <laughs> you just got to <laughs> close the thing and you've got to float. Hey, when can you get here? Yeah. yeah. Somebody threw a Snickers in the pool. Right. <laughs> so, um, we, we've just toyed with, you know, like for example, in Meridian, Idaho, we've got this, it's a half court basketball court and it's like always full. And you look at the weather in Meridian and you compare that. Should we do a couple basketball courts and a pickleball court that can be open? What? Like eight months of the year all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you get a couple of good days in February, you can go shoot hoops, right? Versus that pool. It's a Labor Day to, or Memorial Day to Labor Day kind of a thing. Best case scenario. Costs a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. Depends on the market too. I mean, basketball, pickleball, those are awesome. Just depends on the market, the location. So really just research it and understand who your tenant's going to be. I think of Arizona during the summer and I'm hearing they're not going to want to be out doing pickleball, basketball in the heat, right? Yeah. They're probably, they're probably going to be by the poolside, most likely. Or in the AC. In the AC. It just gets so hot down there. Yeah. So that that's an interesting thing to think about um, on these amenities. You know, we even talk about Amazon lockers, right, for package delivery. Um, I've seen a lot of people doing it. I'm not clear how valuable it is or not. But, uh, you know, James, one of our lead developers at our company, you know, he's always said that, hey, look, cool amenities attract people. Garbage and parking keep people. I think that's, I mean... It's not sexy, but I think over the long term, it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got this one that we did in Vineyard, Utah, that's chock full of college students. There's cars parked everywhere. It looks like a scrapyard practically. Right. And those things turn over regularly because they're the, the square footage of the units appeals to the tenants, but there's always a pain in the butt for them to park. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we've even talked about garbage cans too, you know, cause people are just <laughs> crazy with these dumpsters. Um, can you go to garbage cans? It opens up a new set of problems, but sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So basically, uh, you know, he continues to say that the, you know, the, the barrier for entry might be high. You can get involved through crowdfunding syndication and publicly traded REITs. And he didn't put fig at the end, but he should have, as we established. Right. So, the the main point being there is it is so difficult to get inventory right now. I mean, those of you that have been in the real estate business since the great recession of 08 realize the, the, the tsunami of foreclosure inventory in many markets that came and the market feasted on that inventory for a good five years, in my opinion, right? Those foreclosures made their way through the system. You could get at first heavily discounted properties and eventually it just kind of dissipated. Well, now what's the solution? Get past that barrier to entry. And I think that's why people are raving about build to rent is because, well, I, if I go out on the MLS or if I go co-star, I can't find anything, figure out how to build to rent a property because that barrier to entry is something that most people won't put up with. If you're a syndicator and you can develop a fund with build for rent properties, you can get a lot of those small retail investors that couldn't participate otherwise. Or if you're a builder, you really ought to, ought to consider it because your exit can be a lot more smooth than dealing with 50 different homeowners. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Do we want to go through and talk about the pros and cons of, of build? 
to rent or should we save that for, for another day? I think Preston's writing that down right now for another episode. Okay. That's a great idea. Yeah. Pros and cons. Let's just chat through that. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're already up against the attention span of the average listener and we've gone past my attention span. Yeah. All right. <laughs> can I read the last paragraph? Yeah, sure. We can close there. And this sure. is the guy, this isn't me saying that this is the guy on this article that we've been talking about. I truly believe that this asset class is still in its infancy stage. There's still plenty of time to take advantage of this great opportunity before it explodes. What do you guys think of that? Is that true? Has it already exploded? Have investors missed the turn on that? I don't, I personally don't think so. No, I mean, it does the deal make sense. We go back to that episode we did about what's a good deal, right? Well, what are you going to do with your capital? I kept thinking that when I was at that conference a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked about that on a show recently, um, that 2000 people, a lot of wall street types at this build for rent conference in Scottsdale. And, uh, compared to what, I mean, you're going to put it into stocks. You're going to put it into, I don't know, crypto, a CD. Where, yeah. Where are you going? I mean, it's clearly an asset that's very, very needed. So is that deal a good place for your capital to go? Stop worrying about, well, am I in at the right time? Is it a good deal for you? Is your capital going to be happy there and earn you a return? So are you saying buy real estate and wait? Don't, don't wait to well, buy real estate? Yeah, that's that saying, right? I think it's a good saying. Well, and, and it's, I had a, a, one of my associates uh, point out to me, like, when I talk to an investor on the phone, that guy that's been in the market for 30 years, right? And I say, what, you know, how, how are you so successful? Why has real estate been so good to you? He never says, well, you know, I locked that interest rate back in 1982 and got a point lower and I wouldn't be where I am today. Said nobody ever. Right? No, but he keeps buying. He keeps like he buying. keeps buying, yeah. even though the prices keep continuing to rise. He keeps investing in, back into the real estate market, and he keeps a thick skin for when prices don't rise because they don't always go no. like this. At some point, these are going to dip ten to fifteen percent. Uh, guess what? Even worse, maybe we've all lived through that. But the point is, is you look at those troughs. Mm-hmm. The next trough is always higher than the last trough. Hundred yep. percent. Right. Yeah. So and it exactly. always comes back up. So just hold on. I mean, yeah. this isn't, this isn't a get rich quick thing. I, unless there's some complete decimation of the, of the population or, uh, some disruptive technology that allows us to live on Mars. Right. Um, it's hard to imagine a, a, a scenario where uh, it's, this stuff is needed and, and we, we've just got to keep investing. So I, I think you keep doing it, especially too, because so much of the national housing stock is old and, and the term is obsolescent right? How many houses were built in the, in the forties, fifties, and sixties that are just, it's time, mm-hmm. right? It's time to scrape those things. And especially with this green energy movement too, right? What's up to code green energy. I, I think that you're looking at a construction situation that's going to keep, keep going. So that's, that's my O2. It sounds self-serving. Yeah. We have the build the rent podcast. Yeah, but the article that I pulled up, I can't find it anymore, but I pulled up an article and it said only 5% of the inventory out there is built to rent. So it's such a new market for people for the most part. Yeah, I think it's the way to go. Well, and people are less committed. There is that trend. We've talked about it before, the the mobile worker. Mm -hmm. We were talking to our attorney this morning, Mark, down in, in Phoenix. How's it going, Mark? Are you managing through COVID okay? And he was joking I love having my office all to myself. 
you know, there's me and a couple people. I got all this room to spread out. We've sent our non-essential staff to work at home. We don't require them to come in. Um, at what point does, I mean, especially in Phoenix, mm-hmm. that paralegal says, it's August. I don't have to be in Phoenix, <laughs> right? I'm going to go to Spokane for the whole summer and I'm going to work from there, right? Renter and mobility is, is now more, you were talking about it yesterday at lunch, right? Cher, she's a traveler. I don't know if you know this, but she, she has been known to travel, okay? And she works from, I mean, I've had, I've talked to Cher while she's in Egypt, okay? <laughs> On top and, of the pyramid. And it's like she didn't really leave. Yeah, she's up there getting a signal and, you know, next to the Sphinx. Writing so, a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, I love it. I can work on the go and nobody needs to know that I'm away. Yeah. I think that's how most people are, right? Like I'm still productive. I can still do things, but then I can take time out to be with yeah. my family when I need to. Being a renter goes with that mobility, but somebody has to own these properties that people want to rent. Yep. Right. So yeah. uh, I'd rather be that guy, but uh, no. Okay. Everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll catch you. Uh, we'll catch you next time on the build and rent podcast. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and on Google. Google us. Apparently it's easy. <laughs> Everywhere. So, Wikipedia is. Yes. Thanks, Catch everybody. you next time. Thank you. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for listening to the Build to Rent podcast. You are now just a few clicks away from joining our community of Build to Rent investors. All you have to do is follow our show on Facebook, LinkedIn, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also watch this episode and more by subscribing to the Build to Rent podcast on YouTube. The information presented in this podcast is general in nature. Nothing in this presentation should be construed as financial advice or recommendations for any particular situation. The hosts are only licensed to provide advice and services in the states where they are specifically licensed. And listeners should seek the advice from an appropriately licensed professional in the area where they invest. The examples presented in this presentation are for illustration only, and no guarantee that similar results can be achieved, since the facts, circumstances, and participants are all different.